0: Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for your company on Pass the Post for Sunday, June the 5th. It was Channel 7 Queensland Oaks Day as part of Stradbroke season yesterday. And again, we were presented with a great day of racing, perfect weather, a big crowd and... It was a a Queensland result of sorts with Gypsy Goddess winning, Nathan.
1: Yeah, very much so. Terrific to to see her get the prize, and I felt she left them with no excuses given she had to jump from the outside gate, give them a start, and she rounded them up comfortably.
0: Yeah, sometimes in these classic races, the best, well, hopefully the best horse wins. On this occasion, she was afforded no favours, as you said, with the outside gate. There was a bit of conversation during the morning, during the day, back or forward. I, I think in the end most thought she'd go back. She did. But uh, we'll hear the, the, the replay in just a moment. But when she made that surge from the, the 500 mm. around the turn, you sort of knew it was game over. There was others that, that, that battled gamely, Lavelli certainly and, and Barb but she always seemed to have their measure.
1: She certainly did. And we talked about how it looked at Deep Oaks, but in the end, punters sorted it out, first and second favourite to run one two.
0: So plenty to talk about this morning, of course. Uh, a lot of feature racing. And, of course, we look towards Stradbroke Day next Saturday as Stradbroke season concludes. But let's go back and review Oaks Day yesterday, and of course we'll start with the Queensland Oaks. Group 1 over the 2200 metres, here are the final stages. In the straight, 400 left to run. Nyota Biscayne Bay grabbed by Barb Raider. Coming in on the outside strongly was Lavelli. Here's Gypsy Goddess coming right down the outside. Jin Martini was next, then Honey Creeper. They've got 200 left to run. Barb Raider tackled by Gypsy Goddess. Lavelli trying to go over to the center. Gypsy Goddess. Pike riding confidently, riding hands and heels. Gypsy Goddess asserting her superiority, storming to the line, and she's got it! Gypsy Goddess, Big Barb Raider Lavelli, Foto Fourth, either Belle Savoir or Smirk, then Honey Creeper, Gin Martini, followed by Dynasties, then Rosie Impact, gaps to Aravine, Verona, Glint of Hope, then Nom de Plume, a long way back Biscayne Bay, and Cupid's Kiss pulling up in front of a few, including Nyota, Festival Dancer and Taranga. Yes, the best horse won the day. Gypsy Goddess, trained by David Van Dyke and ridden by William Pike, took the Queensland Oaks. And David Van Dyke, uh, most appropriately, is our first guest this morning on Past the Post. David, good morning and congratulations.
2: Good morning. Thank you.
0: You were very gracious in your presentation speech yesterday after the race. Uh, you congratulated the the owners uh, for their dedication to you, to your stable, and a great ride by William Pike. But you said I don't want to talk about the horse, and I thought, what's coming here? You said because I might start tearing up again. So obviously, yesterday was a very emotional moment and a very important moment in your training career.
2: Yes, it was. It uh, we've had her for the last seven and a half months, pretty much under our intense care. Uh, she had a week off in that period. And uh, going into her first start, we had the blinkers on and we were just trying to help her find the line. And she really didn't have the passion to to run or compete, whether it be track work or races. Um, so we were just trying to give her every coaxing and every opportunity. And, of course, her first start, she found the line and beat a field of maidens. So we thought, oh, this is all right. And to go from that point to yesterday where... Without the blinkers, and uh, when Willie Pike exposed her, uh, he didn't really mean to take off around them all, but he said, I just, she just wanted to do it. She just wanted to get going. And we're talking about a Group One race here uh, after seven and a half months and a lot of, you know, it wasn't easy. I mean, we went down, even even in the vinery that week, they postponed the, the race from the Saturday to the Monday, and I didn't have the opportunity to do any work with her. So she was like two days further out from her last gallop, uh, which wasn't ideal anyway. And, you know, she pulled up a bit rough, rough after that. And then the heavy tenant, you know, at, at the Oaks at Ranwick she pulled up a bit dusty after that too. You know, they were really hard taxing runs. And... A couple of weeks ago, I thought, well, you know, she's a bit over the hill now. She's had enough. I could tell that. Um, And I was just trying to hold her together. And my second in charge, Emma, has, you know, just done an outstanding job of helping me. Um, And she's leaving me in a few weeks. Um, So it's because we put so much into it and this filly um, has come so far, Uh, for such good people you know Bob Jones is my biggest client he's never you know had a horse like this Chris Lawler helps me at all the sales he's our you know vet during those times and he bred this billy so when it when I saw her just go past the line despite everything and knowing where she'd come from Um, It was just, I was in awe of her. I felt very blessed and it was just, yeah, it was an amazing moment and, as I said, a career highlight. You outlined some of those frustrations
1: when you went south and bad barriers every time, wet tracks every time. You knew this week you would get the firmer track, but was it pretty disheartening when you saw that barrier 22 come out on Tuesday morning? Very much.
2: So. <laughs> I, like I, I always love a good draw, and um, I just thought, oh, you know, what else? Yeah. I mean, I, I knew that she wasn't going. I, I thought she's going in good enough shape to be competitive, but she's not going in her best shape. Uh, we'd seen that previous her best shape. She was she was back from that, and. Uh, when the draw came out, I just thought, oh, you know, this is, this is going to be real hard. And I had to talk to Willie, and the first thing I did was say to him, um, you know, have a couple of days, do the form, have a think about it, we'll have a chat Friday, and just you give me your feedback. The last previous, the three previous runs, I've been very strict in my instructions. You know, I wanted her ridden a certain way. Um, So I just left the door open for Willie. I spoke to him on Friday and, you know, he said to me, look, if it works, I'm going to go back. Um, But, you know, I will keep the option open in case she pings the lids and, you know, I get a more forward spot. But he said, I can see me going back and, you know, finishing off strong and, and... and winning and i said to him well you know she's unbeaten at eagle farm she's unbeaten on good tracks and i feel that those performances on the heavy and soft you know she's absolute quality and i think she wasn't comfortable and wasn't showing the same turn of foot she didn't have the same sprint on those wet tracks as what she does on top of the ground and indeed, we know Eagle Farm's a little bit firmer than Dooman or can be firmer than Dooman or the Sunshine Coast. And that's why she excels so much there because, you know, she's got that footing and she can really bring herself into it. Um, so we had that chat Friday and, and when they jumped and she went back and Willie even said, oh, I'll probably be in front of two. And that's exactly <laughs> where he was going out of the straight. I looked forward in the field. I saw a line of four outside, you know, going into the first corner. I saw them start to break up, and I thought, well, she might be 15, 16 lengths off the lead, but they're going quick enough for her to come into this. And when he popped her out there at the 700, I was thinking, oh, don't go too soon. She can can take care of these horses in the space of 200 metres. But, of course, she had other ideas and just wanted to get going, and fantastic
0: i think that was the point you you raised there from the 700 calling the race uh, you know you're sort of always half watching the favorite a bit more and when she made that surge from about say the the 600 around the turn didn't she make a lot of ground in a short time she went from being a cap catcher at the back of the bus to all of a sudden almost descending on the leaders that must have been the time you said well we know we're going to be there at least
2: Yes, that's when I knew she was going to be in the finish. But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, you're seven deep around the corner at Eagle Farm. I hope she's not going to be a sitting shot for something coming late. Um, But, of course, the quality kicked in. And Barb Raider, you know, was game in defeat. Certainly stuck on great and tested our filly and really made a you know, worked to the line and, and, and made her earn it. And, you know, Jerome Hunter, he was over the moon running second and congratulated me. And, you know, the the support of the races yesterday for this Queensland filly, you know, everyone involved, you know, yourselves, Nathan, you, you know, after the race and Bernie and other trainers and staff and, and, and even the ground staff, you know, they were all... Really genuinely happy to see this filly um, in her crowning glory and coming off the back of Desley Foster's Group 1 victory the the previous week, hasn't been easy in Queensland for us the last couple of years and it's just lovely to see us um, be dominant the last two Saturdays in the features.
1: Yeah, sure has. I remember when Yankee Rose won that spring champion back in 2016, you said how satisfying it was to have prepared and proved that you can train a Group 1 winner from that Sunshine Coast base. You've now trained three individual horses to win Group 1 wins there. Is similarly satisfying?
2: Very much so. I mean, initially I was sort of came up to semi retire at the Sunshine Coast and. Uh, it hasn't worked out that way. I've, I've had uh, more success up here than I did at Warwick Farm, but no surprise. I mean, it's just a beautiful place, and horses do well. Um, the climate, um, you know, the, the the way we can train up here, it's it's fantastic, and you know, horses improve. So, yeah, I'm really feel, as I said, blessed and grateful, and looking forward to the future. I
0: appreciate the fact,
2: David, that you're a,
0: you're a deep thinker. You choose your words well, it's always a delight to to speak to you. In the, your moment by yourself, thinking by yourself, and you would have had opportunity over the last twenty four hours. Probably not a lot because there has been a lot of goodwill towards you. But just in the moment by yourself, uh, you look at this, Philly. What do you look at for the rest of the year?
2: What 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 what's your initial thought? <coughs> well, good question, and I have. Been pondering that quite a bit, especially this morning. It's been a long, taxing seven and a half months, um, and I'd love to think she's going to come back a better horse. She's not a robust type, she's got the height and scope to fill out more and mature. Um, I'm hoping that physically she's going to be in a better place moving forward into her next few preparations. Mentally, she's she's absolutely there for us. Um, she's going to want to compete from the moment she steps back out there next prep. We've got no... We've got no work to do in that regard. Um, as far as whether she can improve and race against the older horses, um, it's, a, it's a big step up, and hence the reason I was so keen to get a uh, racing against her own age and sex yesterday. So, look... I'm hoping she comes back and we can compete. The th- the thing, the two things that give me optimism is she's a dead set stayer. Um, I've got no second guessing there. She's probably the the best staying horse I've ever trained. Uh, she relaxes beautifully, like she can just whether it's a 2400 or down the track a two mile, she can just drop anchor, relax, get into a rhythm and then pick up when required. Um, So those two factors sort of put her ahead of a large group of horses that are going from their two and three-year-old years into those older, staying, top-quality races because often those horses that have raced over the shorter trips as two and three-year-olds don't travel as economically they don't get their heart rate down the way the Europeans have been taught to they don't they can't race as, as kind but this billy, you know she never raced under 1400 she ran first first up off a, a freshen up over a mile she's she we've always tried to get her to relax and i think moving forward into those longer older races we're going to see the benefit of that that was a very long
0: answer to my question, but tell me, a, tell me a race you want to win with this horse. Come on. Melbourne the Cup. car a little bit. Melbourne Cup. That'll do. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted, And, and well, within, well within reach. Look, we're going to leave you there, David, because we're going to continue the story with, with Chris Lawler. Thanks for your time this morning. As I've said to you personally, I always appreciate your time. And uh, yesterday was your greatest result. Congratulations. Thank you. David Van Dyke joining us. Let's continue the story from the owner's point of view. And Dr Chris Lawler is joining us now. Chris, good morning. Morning, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Uh, <coughs> congratulations. Similarly to, to as we said, to David. Tell us you're involved with Gypsy Goddess, how it all began. Let's go right back to the start.
3: Oh, gee, that does go back away. <laughs>
0: um, Spent a bit of time with a great
3: judge of yearlings in Australia, George Smith who I learnt a lot of as far as looking at horses and looking at pedigrees and what to look for in particular horses and it was recognisable that Zabeel was a great sire at the time but obviously his progeny were very expensive and hard to acquire so that the poor man's route there was to try and buy a progeny out of a Zabeel mare and so I used to go to each sale trying to look for a a horse that was a replica for Zabil himself and sure enough when uh, Tarzino mm. got brought out of the box in second session of uh, New Zealand for his particular year, um, he just looked exactly like Zabil and we were fortunate enough to, to buy him. I had a client at the time who was after uh, staying horses from New Zealand, he said if you see one I'd be happy to buy it. He was a rather private individual um, and didn't sort of really let anybody of his family know that he was having an involvement in this uh, in our industry. Um, anyway, I let him know and he said, "Oh, look, I'll be happy to take the horse." And the horse was purchased. And you know, tragedy struck and the gentleman was killed in a car accident. And uh, you know, exceeding to his wishes, I sort of couldn't get any family involvement. They they had no involvement in the industry as such, so. That the horse was brought from New Zealand, and uh, Harry Mitchell at Yarram Park was kind enough to put the horse back through the um, through the June yearling sales, and, and uh, there was only one person who brought him out of the box, which was Nick Price, um, you know, with some encouragement, I've got to say. Um, but Mick liked what he saw, said, are you going to stay involved? I said, I will. Um and that was the story of how we got Tarzino and and uh you know he was a he was a great horse um he was probably a bit too much of a lad by the time he had turned four he had his eye, you know mind on other things he was like a um you know a sailor on shore leave um but he's he's ended up um uh, going to start and he's covered the right number of mares in new zealand and uh we tried to support him we kept the share in him of course um, and we thought that uh, Dane Hill line mares, given that he was so much like Zabir, would be the, the right cross for him. Uh, we tried to source some, and we bought uh, a Redoots Choice mare at, uh, the, at the New Zealand sales that had originally been bred in Australia and had quite a good pedigree, we thought, and we sent it to Tarzino and um, Gypsy, Goddess was the result. We took it to the sales, and shall I think from memory, she was lot 1181 of 1185. There were two scratchings at the end of the catalogue, so she was the second last horse to go through. And when she went into the ring with a reserve of twenty thousand, uh, I think the only person in the auditorium was the was the cleaner with the long handled dustbin and broom sweeping <laughs> up the cigarette butts. So we didn't get a bid. Um, Next minute, we've had to take the horse home.
2: Um,
3: where David and I had purchased for uh, Bob Jones a nice Naconee out of a reduce mare that had won its only two starts and been sold to Hong Kong. Um, and I thought, well, Bob might appreciate racing up another of the pro- progeny of a reduce mare. I rang Bob. He said he'd like to be involved. And a few friends from my south coast, New South Wales town of Gerringle Wanted to be involved, Jimmy Berg, and of course, who'd been involved with the Tarzino uh, experience right the way through. Uh, he was involved, and the rest is history.
0: The rest is history. That's a wonderful insight to, to the uh, the Gypsy Goddess beginnings. But is it also fair to say that before she raced, uh, expectations weren't too high?
3: No, no. <laughs> They weren't. David rang me and he said, I think we're in a bit of trouble here. <laughs> uh, he said, uh, if this thing improves five lengths, it won't win a race anywhere. Um, he said it's struggling with anything on the track. He said, I won't start it over 1200. I will start it over 14. Um, it's in a pretty average field at the Sunshine Coast, but if he said, if it can't finish at least midfield and show that it's running through the line, um, I think we should talk about popping it online. I said to him at the start, uh, well, if we've got nothing to lose, why don't we throw a set of blinkers on? Um, I certainly know the father reacted well to them being on. And David said, well, look, we'll do that, but I'll save those for race day. So she never actually had any work in blinkers prior to her first race start. And she, he put the blinkers on that day. And even though she got back in the field, um, she was never going to get beat that day and saluted at $30-something something and um, gave everyone a really pleasant surprise. Have the reports about her track work since uh, improved, or is she still
1: hopeless on the tracks?
3: No, no. <coughs> she's, um, the pennies dropped, and um, David made the comment to me after she she won her first start, and then she won her second start. Kyle wilson Taylor wrote it the first time, and Ryan Maloney, the second time, uh, David made the comment to me. He said, gee, I don't want to take the blinkers off this girl. Um, But he noticed uh, in training that all of a sudden the penny had dropped and she started to work like a really good horse and started to become very competitive in her work. And it reached a stage where David said, well, look, you know, I think she's... And she was certainly a bit keen for a, a period of the Australian Oaks in Sydney. And he said, I think uh, I'd like to try without the blinkers. Her work at home suggests that she knows what it's all about now. Um, So we'll take the blinkers off in the bracelet at the Gold Coast and see how she goes. And Willie reported that she travelled a lot kinder and um, uh, that was sort of like a box tick. So hence she went into yesterday's oaks without her blinkers and and she was very tractable and, and very good.
0: Chris, give us a bit of background to, to yourself and, and your business in life. Uh, I'm
3: an equine veterinarian and I've been involved in the industry um, all my working life. Um, something that I love and, and um, as they say, if you do something you love, you never have to work a day in your life. But like uh, all of us in the industry, um, you know, I'm a racing tragic. The only cure is death. Um I've managed to start to I always vowed that I would never breed any horses, um, but that's gone out the window since you've ended up with a share and a couple of stallions and so i I sort of have half a dozen mares here in Australia, half a dozen in uh, new zealand and i've I've just got bits and pieces a leg here and a leg there of a few different race horses with friends, and most of it sort of geared towards the horses that um you race the stallions and and um, and their progeny, so it's it's probably got a little bit out of hand to be fair. Um, but I'm having a ball of a time doing it uh, along the way, and with us like the filler yesterday, Gypsy Goddess, it sort of helps
1: pay the outgoings. Yeah, it certainly does. And Tarzino getting two classic winners in his first
3: crop as well is a fantastic result. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, <clears throat> the world is his oyster, I would think, and I. I you know, I've got a couple um in work with Mick Price in Melbourne Tarzinos as well and I certainly know they've got a very, very good opinion of a of an unraised two year old that we've got down there. Um they think he's at the pointy end of the tree, so uh, Mick said we could have started him as a two year old but he, he said I just had to check myself, you know, knowing what his pedigree says he is supposed to do, so um, he's he's been reserved. But hopefully we'll we'll see him race in the spring.
0: Can we be bold enough to ask what his name is?
3: Yeah, Art Zeno. He's a, he's a his family sort of got firing after we purchased him. We didn't pay a lot for him. Um, we paid I think around about fifty Australian, was sixty NZ at the Caracas sales, out of a Captain Rio mare called Art, please. And um, subsequent to our purchase, a, a very nice three-year-old filly called Art de Triomphe came out in New Zealand, won a Group 2 and was favourite for their 1,000 guineas over there, but unfortunately went amiss. And um, she looks like being a very good broodmare now, and this horse looks to have inherited some of the family's ability, or so we're told. He's, he's trialled very well, and um, the stable are very encouraged by what they're saying.
0: And just give us a bit of history on this this uh, reduced choice mare, the the uh, the dam of of Gypsy Goddess Invisible Coin. Has she produced anything before?
3: This is a disaster.
0: <laughs> Tell us. Um,
3: we, she was originally purchased out of the Tealey assets uh, reduction sale here at the Magic Minions by David Redbers, and she was purchased to go to uh, a stallion that uh, Qatar Racing owned and stood here at Emirates Park called Harbour Watch. She produced a horse to Harbour Watch and then was taken to New Zealand where they also had another stallion standing, Charm Spirit, at Windsor Park. She went to Charm Spirit and produced a Philly and then was sold in foal to Charm Spirit when Jim Bergen and I purchased her at the New Zealand breeding stock sale. Um, she had the Charm Spirit, which we sold. He's ended up winning sort of three or four races and has a... An affinity for softer sort of tracks and then we bred uh, Gypsy Goddess. Uh, We then bred another one out of uh, her uh, which was a full brother um, who shared her distinct lack of looks um, and we thought it might have been wiser to sell him as a weanling Um, and we did sell uh, him in New Zealand at the time Um, and the mayor subsequently developed a a sinus condition secondary to a tooth root infection and we, we had three operative procedures performed on the mare um, to try and uh, fix the problem. Uh, none of them were successful and she was going to have to spend the remainder of her life on antibiotics. She was in foal at that stage to a stallion for variety that we'd sent her to called Bilardo. And um, I explained to uh, my co-owner, Jim Bergen, that we may be faced with a difficult decision if the antibiotics didn't control the situation in the future. Um, he said he didn't want to be involved in making any difficult decisions. And I said, well, we need complete transparency here and we will put her online and explain to everybody what her uh, what condition is and what will be required in the future. So we actually sold her in foal to Bellardo for the grand sum of Um, $8,000. She subsequently had a colt to Bellardo, which sold through the uh, New Zealand sale this year in which David and I and a few others went back and bought for $115,000 New Zealand. So whoever bought Invisible
0: Coin has done very well. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's (laughs) been... It's been great to talk to you this morning. You've provided a, a great insight on a, a number of fronts. Once again, congratulations to you and all of the other owners yesterday. But the good thing is that the story doesn't end today. And, of course, uh, there's a lot to think about in the future, certainly even a few months down the track. But battle will come when it comes. Thanks for your time this morning, mate.
3: Yes, star. Uh, no worries,
0: Dave. Thanks for that. There is Chris Lawler, Dr Chris Lawler, joining us this morning. Great to talk to you.
1: Yeah, fantastic, um, as you say, insight and not a lot of money having to change change hands in in order to get a couple of Group 1 winners.
0: It's a great story, and uh, I think that David Van Dyke made a good point too from a Queensland point of view. Group 1 yesterday, last week Apache Chase, so it's been good for us.
1: It has been, um,
0: absolutely. Let's continue the the Queensland vein, and we'll listen to the Group 2 Morton Cup. So Warwick headed by Prime Candidate. Babylon Berlin knuckling down to the task. Centerfire still there. Baller joining it out wide. And wider was Wonderbar. They're across the track, but Baller swept to a clear lead. Wonderbar might be a danger. Kevin running running up to third. Baller in front. He's going well. He's going great guns and Baller won the morning Cup from Wonderbar. Kevin shooting for gold. Then let's be glam Nick over followed by Babylon Berlin Centerfire Prime Candidate Hilo and Sir Warwick pulling up towards the Tail. Baller back to his best with Hugh Bowman riding, sprinting quickly in the, in the middle part of the straight, beating the late finishers Wanderbar and Kemantari. And uh, Tony Gollan, the trainer of Baller, joins us this morning on Past the Post. Tony, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Dave. Well, uh, I know we've spoken once before about achievements. That would have given you extra satisfaction to be able to win with this horse, uh, you know, back-to-back Morton Cups.
4: Yeah, look, he's not a, an easy horse to train. He's had a, a couple of homes before he come to us, and he's a he's a really big horse. He doesn't have the the world's best set of front feet on him, and he is quite tricky. And I was having a bit of trouble getting him fit with all the rain event we've had in the last few months. It's made training horses their preparation is quite difficult. And I just felt the whole way along, I was behind the eight ball with him, and I just really felt in the last ten days that he picked up and he was really where he needed to be this week. And so sort of went to the races yesterday very confident, actually. So it was good to get the job done.
1: And your confidence rose even further after they'd just gone 100 metres, wasn't it? Didn't you say, to, was it clear that you were with at the time said he's on today? Yeah, well, as soon as he stepped out of the gates and when, he, when he's really on song, he just
4: begins well and puts himself you know, straight behind the speed. It was, it was nearly identical run in transit to what he got last year. However, they all went off the fence, he went up inside them, and where well, this year he'd come out and bump. But you could just see straight away in the run yesterday, as opposed to his first two runs, he was just right on the ball and had himself in the winning position after they went 50 metres.
0: Uh, placing him is not easy. I think you've you've, uh, admitted that being with, uh, you know, ratings-wise and weight-wise, you were, I think, considering the Healy, but you think he might get too much weight?
4: Yeah, he's pretty hard to place now, isn't he? I don't know what penalty they're going to give him for yesterday, but I'd say it takes him somewhere around 105, rater. So it sort of gives him a lot of weight back in a Group 3 quality handicap. And with the ballot free to the Stradbroke this week, I think the way he loves Eagle Farm. I think we might roll the dice there at this point in time. Yeah,
0: it's, it's
1: really interesting so you news. Pay, uh, look at paying the late entry,
4: entry fee? Yeah, I think so. I'll talk to all the owners today and tomorrow and if it's their money, they have, to, they have to decide if they want to pay it or not. I know the horse won it yesterday, but it's essentially theirs. But So it's up to them. They can make a decision, but I probably think at this point in where he's at, he, he's, in, he's really fit now. He's in good order yesterday. His win was terrific and I think it's a very open Stradbroke for mine. And if he was to draw, draw low, you know, I wouldn't see why he wouldn't back up and run well in it. What sort of weight would he get? I don't really know because he wasn't weighted. Um, yeah. I think, Nathan, you correct me if I'm wrong, you might know better than me, I think he'd be around 53.
1: I think he'd be, being, I think you're being ambitious there. 54? Hmm. I think Rothfire's 54 and a half.
4: Yep.
0: Is that right? And yep. I
4: think so. I'm probably 54, 53.5, maybe. Depends on what penalty I give him for yesterday.
1: Sure.
0: <clears throat> and, and as you said, you're entitled to roll the dice, or your owners are entitled to, to give it serious consideration. I suppose if I'm sort of marking hard on ball up, a strong 1,400 I might think could be a question mark. Yeah, it's, it's an area
4: I've stayed away with with him, David, for sure and certain, but I don't know if I can ignore it anymore. No. You know, the, my options are not great. To, to ignore it, like if it was a really good twelve hundred metre race for for good money, you know, fits in his ratings, being well in you know two, three, four weeks, something like that. I'd I'd have that option, but I don't have that luxury really. After yesterday's Group Two win again, his second one in the, you know, a year, going back to back, I think he's he'll probably get weighted out of the them, them lower grade sprints.
0: What about sorry, Nathan? No, you're right, Damon. What about Vinko? He won the the Listed Spear Chief. <laughs> he he he's been a horse that's been a competitive horse and. I've got to admit, the, the first I started thinking about Vinko was Bart Sinclair said to me, I think it was on Thursday, he said, you even Vinko went well in the uh, in the race last week. I had a look at it, and you've got to believe your eyes. His run was really good.
4: Oh, he was terrific. You know, like, very rarely, David, and you'd know this as well, <laughs> being a punter, when they're 200 to one one week and they serve up $4 something, the next week you, you get a bit edgy, don't you, like... But it was always a just, this was the race I really wanted for him during the Carnival of Spear Chief. He loves Eagle Farm. I thought fifteen hundred metres, although it was probably the outer of what I've had him at distance wise. I still thought he ran it well. A mile would he'd probably just I felt previously he'd struggle at. So how do I get him to this race? So he had to put him in an unsuitable race to get him to this race. And then they put that race back a week and give me the conundrum of a seven day backup. But he's just one of those horses. he runs really well at Eagle Farm. He he'd come here at you know, sort of midweek level horse and be winning a a spear chief for such a good bunch of owners, you know, a year and a bit later. It's been amazing, really.
1: It's unusual for a horse to get to that level 36 starts into a career, isn't it? (laughs) As you sort of said, you wouldn't have had uh, stakes race aspirations early on, I imagine. I remember
4: when I got him, (laughs) my friends with Simon George's son, Matthew, and he said, you you'll never win a race with this horse. (laughs) I said, I don't know, we'll find something for him somewhere. But, you know, he's just a horse of building confidence. You know, he he was a cult for a while as a young horse when um, Bin Khalifa and the Syndicate had him with, with Tony McEvoy, and I think they gelded him. It, they probably gelded him a little bit later because he was a well-bred horse, et cetera, et cetera. It just took him a while to get his groove as an older horse, and he's one of those horses who really enjoys Eagle Farm. And, you know, it wasn't a you know, vintage Spear Chief or listed race yesterday, but he won really well, and you don't even believe what you see. He really put him all away nicely late.
0: Where does he go to?
4: I don't know. He probably goes to the Eyeliner. That's probably the races I saw for him in the, in the glass house but... You know, he's got to get the right track conditions there. If they were both at Eagle Farm, I was very confident. but So, to go to them two venues, you really, you really need much um, dry ground. So, whether that's going to be part of it all at that time of the season, who knows?
0: Now, you, you mentioned Simon George. I think I've created a monster
4: yesterday. <laughs> I'm sure you have.
0: Because I get a text, he said, Can I come up and watch race five or seven? Now, I've got to take a bit of credit here. I think I chose wisely. I thought Needle was a good chance, but I thought oh, I don't want him yeah. here. I said, come up for race seven, Vigo, And he's arrived, he's watched. And I've got to say, he watched the race in total silence. The only problem was, I was thinking when Vigo shot clear, I said, I think to myself, show a bit more emotion, mate. I mean, this is you're here watching your horse win. So he, I gave him a slap on the back as they went past the post. It ignited him. He then threw his hands in the air. The binocular stand nearly went over. We, we, <laughs> we nearly had a catastrophe. We got through it. But I think now he's been there. He'll want to be there again. And if you've mentioned the eyeliner, I can see him going up those stairs to the box at Ipswich on, 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 on eyeliner day. It
4: might be the safest place for him, my line of day, if he gets to the front, who knows? There's plenty of sights to see at Ipswich. But, <laughs> oh, look, he, he, yeah, he's a, he's a character, Simon. There's no doubt about him. And I, when you said he was up in the box, I, I couldn't help but laugh down in the post-race interview. But, no, it was a good day. Look, there are a trippy bunch of people that are in the horse. And, He's been a bit of a journeyman, for sure. He started down the SA, and he's made his way up here. Like Nathan said, 30-odd starts to run a list, win a listed race at Eagle Farm. But he one really well, and if he can get conditions to suit in his next few races, I can't see why he wouldn't be competitive. Uh,
1: you've already mentioned Baller potentially being considered for the straight break. How's your other runner, Isotope? Are you happy with where she's yeah. at? And is there yeah, things? I am. I wasn't happy post-race with her last week, and... Ryan was
4: disappointed she played up in the barriers a fair bit. We found her quite sore at the back of the wither when we got looked at out at Embrook. We've done some treatment there on that. She seems to be really good. She stretched her legs just light work at Eagle Farm yesterday. I couldn't have been happy with. This is always probably really going to be her race, this in the tiara, the way the preparation has gone with wet weather. and I think she's in great shape and she's probably a little bit forgotten at the moment, in my opinion.
0: Just touching on a few of your other runners, uh, frustrating earlier in the day, but, gee, there was... <laughs> I've got to say, I've always said you're a good judge. I was at a function with you recently, and you said you watched this horse, Bezique, And of course, the meeting was called off, but she ran out of her skin yesterday.
5: Yeah,
4: I kind of knew my fate. When this race was shifted to Eagle Farm, I've six weeks between runs. I was always in a tough spot with her. I just felt around doom, and I think yesterday she wins. I, I don't think anyone would doubt that, really, mm. the way she raced. And just Eagle Farm was going to be a little bit tougher on her. She actually injured her knee in a paddock accident straight after being broken in. So she had a screw put in the top joint of her knee, so we missed a whole bunch of her early educational processes. And I was always a bit reluctant to want to run her at Eagle Farm. To be honest, it's a lot firmer track than Doom, and her racing pattern just, just reeks of being a Doom, doesn't it? You come around and go down the dip and shoot away. And like yesterday she was vulnerable late, but she's done a good job. She's a very well-bred filly, and she's a two-year-old winner and now stakes place, so she's probably repaid the owners. She's at least worth what they paid for, and now maybe a bit more.
0: And what about my two old mates, my mates Palladas and Garibaldi? But they, but, but I've got to say, uh, they both ran well. Yeah,
4: Palladas
5: probably.
4: I don't know. You just see that winner just sort of just back, getting a little bit better run than me. I was just going through the doing overdoing a little bit in that first that middle to the first third of the race, and didn't get a lot of room. And I don't make too many excuses. The winner was just too strong for me late, to be honest. And got a really good run through with McDonald, and so I can't really say too much there. And I think Garibaldi was pretty good. I mean, that course, Chris Munster is a track and trip specialist at the moment. It's, it's awfully hard to beat at a thousand. So I think I, I loomed off their backs and I was there to run on and probably just too good for me. But it's been tricky, you know, preparing horses of late. Like Garibaldi's had two half mile dirt jump outs to get ready for the lightning. Like that's, I wouldn't have done that in 20 years training. So that's just the situation we've been in this year with the, with the wet weather and the way we had to prepare horses. So you'll see a lot of those horses of ours as these tracks stay drier for longer. You'll see our form pick right up.
0: Just before you go, I was thinking of you yesterday when Waller won the uh, won three races. And <laughs> he, but you fought you fought back with two, so you're holding him at bay. I think you'll get home in the Premiership. I think you yeah. will.
4: Uh, David had a little chat to me about this Nathan a few weeks ago, It sort of really put me on notice. So I'm glad that I was I come out of my uh, bit of a doldrums yesterday, so to speak.
0: I said, watch out for Waller. I said, I said he'll do everything to beat you in the Premiership. He said. Well, no, I won't say what you said, but I'll <laughs> tell Nathan, that I'll work tell work Nathan after the show's over. <laughs> see you, mate. Good uh, night. Thanks, mate. Cheers, guys. Bye. <laughs> we got pretty wild. He said he can't beat me. I said, mate, I said, I've done all the facts and figures. I said, you've <laughs> trained one winner at Saturday, winner in the... Oh. Well, that would have gone down well. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, that's a, the story there with, with Baller and Vinko. Let's go on and go to the Magic Minions National Classic and... Speak of Chris Waller, he certainly played a strong hand here. In the straight, 400 left to run. Our intrigue was the leader from Nudge on the outside. Swimming up out wide was uh, Monaghala, good odds. Getting up to the inside was Kiku. As the spread goes on, Kiku is finishing with plenty of gusto, but Nudge is now hitting top gear as well. Kiku the inside and Nudge the outside from our intrigue, and a tissue's running on. Kiku's got it at the 100, a length in front. Nudge can't quite go with Kiku. A tissue runs on, but down to the line. Kiku won the National Classic, beat home Nudge, and third a tissue out wide. Fourth was maybe our intrigue, which might give Waller the first four. Bill Placier close-up, then never talk. Monagel, Yamazaki, and Zennifer out towards the tail. Well, he had the numbers uh, on his side, Chris Waller, and he got the result as well, first, second, third, and fourth. Uh, James McDonald is, is joining us on the line, who wrote Kiku. James, good morning. Thanks for being with us this morning. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, well, uh, I trembled yesterday, so a good day for you, Kiku. The The alley was important here because they didn't go hard, and you never went around a horse.
6: Yeah, that's right, obviously, since the great saying, Barry's won races, and that was a classic example of that, but uh, she's been she's been very consistent all the way through. She deserved that big victory there yesterday, and um, hopefully she'll go on to the test tier PR and be very competitive.
1: It looked a funny race on on paper, James, and there's just no speed at all. So did it pan out how you thought it would that race? Yeah, exactly, exactly.
6: I really wanted to hold a position. Obviously, she can be a bit tardy out of the stall, so it was basically my race was one and one out of the gate and being able to hold the fence in third position was just ideally suited to her and she was able to sprint home. She's pretty dynamic over the shorter trips and when they would go that slow, it was always going to help us.
0: You've got a very good opinion, and you've expressed this openly about political debate who, who won the Phoenix. The margin was a nose. Give us your impression of the, the performance yesterday. Yeah, he did a good job, albeit a very narrow margin, but
6: I thought um, he overcome certain ob- obstacles o- throughout the race. He was hampered with halfway through, um, and then it was not ideally suited to where it was in the run. He hit the front a long way from home. He still had a, a plenty in the tank. His um, ears were flicking. He was just going half-hearted there the last furlong, and that's hence why the second horse probably got so close to him. But very talented colt who's just learning about the caper very slowly, but he's, uh, he's lovely and progressive, and I think he'll make the grade, especially um, we might even... I think the, Chris might even put some headgear on him come the uh, week's time.
1: And are you still going to be around to ride him next Saturday? Yeah, for sure and what other rides have you got next week? Uh, we we have
6: uh, laws of uh, indices in the Stradbroke, boat, which I'm really looking forward to. I think mean, he's going terrific, the horse, and uh, uh, we have great house in the Q22, so two really good chances in those restricted races.
0: Francesco Guardi, you had to navigate a bit of traffic in the straight, but in the end the, the result was there. Can this horse go up a, another level or two? Yeah, most certainly. He's, he's
6: progressing really well. We had a He had a really consistent campaign last prep, but as these Europeans do acclimatise from one prep to another, they seem to grow a leg. So this is we've seen a real furnished um, product of him. He's come back in really good order, and uh, he'll have a really good campaign. He enjoys firm ground, so hopefully we'll see him
0: in the spring doing bigger and better things. We know you've got another commitment, so we appreciate your time. When do you jet out, though, for Royal Ascot?
6: Uh, Straight after the... uh, Stradbroke Day, so 9 o'clock that night we're, we're on the big bird.
0: Good on you, mate. Um, uh, you're very popular with the Queenslanders and a, a good day yesterday with the treble. Thanks for being with us this morning. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Cheers, bro. James McDonald riding a <laughs> treble, Francesco Guardi political debate and Kiku. Let's push on, because uh, we'll talk about those races in a bit more detail when we hear the replays. Let's go to the Bill Carter. This was the race that Tony Golan had Bezique in, but there was one just a bit better on the day. Around the turn, 450 metres left to run. Penthouse has had a good run in front. Headed for the run to the judge, leading. Bazique on the outside, travelling with it. Getting up to the inside, tequila dancer. XO Lady being called upon. Stroll to the outside. Zugotcha running on reasonably well. Bazique is still in front from XO Lady. Then came Stroll wider was Gotcha running on strongly now. Bazique's in front, getting a little tight, still the leader. XO Lady, Stroll. Stroll hitting its straps. Raced up, hit the lead and moved away at one. Beat home either. Honeypot, Star, or Bezique; Those two came through late to the inside And Zugotcha not too far away Then came Plimstock, Exo Lady Followed by Saweetie, Tequila Dancer Mate to Fit and Penthouse last over the line Well of course William Pike won the group one on Gypsy Goddess But he tasted success uh, earlier at Lister level Riding stroll for Stephen O'Day and Matt Hoysted, And a big group of owners, a filly by Stitzel And you've always had an opinion of this filly And uh, it was justified yesterday
1: well, I think the stable certainly did. And she did a really good job in the summer, didn't she, David, to, to get to that Magic Millions lead-up and, and race so well. But she just trialled so well this time around. And obviously the Gold Coast, just that track didn't suit her that day and she got into a, a sticky spot. And we saw what she's really capable of yesterday on firm ground. And an all-local finish too, David. First four to the locally trained two-year-olds, which is not something we see in the stakes races up here an awful lot.
0: Stroll was the best filly on the day. Matt Hoister joins us now. Matt, good morning. Morning, David. Congratulations! Always great to get black type uh, early in the career.
5: Yeah, well and truly. Uh, this was um, yeah, it's a really really special day for Proven Thoroughbreds. Obviously, she was uh, she's been the most expensive yearling uh, that, that uh, Jamie's ever bought. So to to be able to repay that, uh, you know, on giving us this filly, um, you know, with an early stakes wins, yeah, huge huge for her career, and huge for for the business.
1: What is it about this girl that? made you guys have such a high opinion early on like i even remember, remember back to the summer where you were speaking in glowing terms with her yeah just everything about her she she just she just got the mind
5: for it and yes she just got the most beautiful sweetest action and just everything she does is just so effortless um just she just one of those ones that from the you know day one as soon as we've had a saddle on her she she just sort of had it and just um, yeah, and, and as I said, I think everything she's doing now is still physically. You know, she she sort of got a got a nice frame that she's really sort of got to develop. And I think in the next sort of six months, hopefully, we can only see her continue to improve.
0: I haven't scanned the program too carefully. Is there anything uh, for her coming up in the next week or two or three? Uh,
5: yeah, so in three weeks' time on Tiara Day, there's a fourteen hundred meter two-year-old listed race there, so that'll that's where she'll head to then, and then uh, be off to the paddock in uh, preparation for for a Magic Millions campaign.
1: Okay, so Magic Millions is a game rather than the Spring Carnival. you shooting for gold was heavily backed yesterday and I sensed you guys were a bit just frustrated to think of what might have been there yesterday. Yeah, look obviously it was a bit a bit frustrating. There
5: was obviously a, a bit of dramas there at the at the barriers where sure what, what sort of went on there, but we obviously from from seeing Cena in, in gate one sort of really lunged at the gates and and as um when they sort of heard that call, Karen's gotta give him a squeeze to sort of jump and obviously they the gates haven't or they haven't sort of opened and so he's had to sort of regather him and when they've opened, unfortunately, it's you know, through through their, the horse's fold, he's sort of popped up in the air, but um it was yeah, just obviously frustrating. He's a he's a horse that's got a hell of a lot of talent. We just aren't seem to be getting much luck on, on the in these sort of big races with him, but I'm sure sure his time will come. Um, you yeah, know, couldn't have been any more happy with the way that he's attacked the line. He was it was you know sensational through the line, and let's hope in um, in another three weeks' time, or so when we line Healy. up in the Healy, hopefully it can be his day.
0: And that's a good point you make that that he did attack the line, and he was unlucky. I'm not going to say he should have won, but uh, he got involved into a traffic issue in the early part of the straight when when other horses were had full momentum. He was wanting to go, but just for a short period there, he he had nowhere to go
5: yeah exactly look obviously Karen sort of half tried to try to see you know seeing Kementari sort of trying to get on his back whether you know whether he sort of comes up in inside and the the runs probably come sort of he would have been able to fit on get on baller's back, which would have given him the cart through but but um yeah look nevertheless he he's still run really well and um you know, hopefully as I said hopefully he he'll, he'll have his day shortly
1: What's Stradbroke day look like? It looks like Scalopini's going to end up an emergency for the Are other runners there on the day? Uh, yeah, we'll have Tumbler Ridge
5: uh, will line up in the Hinkler. Uh, that'll be uh, the only other runner. If Scalopini wasn't to get a run there, he could possibly uh, run in a Wayne Wilson there, the mile race on the same day. OK.
0: You scratched Tumbler Ridge yesterday. Was that because of the barrier?
5: Yeah, just the barrier. He's um, going very well this campaign. Sort of the glasshouse is, uh, is his sort of next next run. So once, once he drew poorly, he um, just thought there's no point racing him in that sort of grade. Uh, a race like the Hinkler, you know, potentially could come up um, you know, sort of week, trying to think what's sort of around to be running in that race, so it's probably a more more suitable race, and then the three-week gap in into the glasshouse really suits as well.
0: Good work. Thanks, mate. Thanks for your time this morning.
5: No worries, guys.
0: Matt Hoystead trains in partnership with Steve O'Day. They've got a good strike rate and a good day at the office for them yesterday with Stroll winning at listed level in the Bill Carter. Let's take a break uh, here on Past the Post. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks for being with us. When we come back, we'll listen to a few of the other feature races from yesterday's card. Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. They certainly do, and of course they won with their smart filly Avalonte at Dooman on Monday, but there's plenty of opportunities to get into the Archer Park Racing team. Go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. You'll see all of the yearlings and two-year-olds available there, all their breeding and details, and what a share cost. So be part of the Archer Park team. Let's continue our look back at Eagle Farm yesterday. We'll go to the last race, the Queensland Day Stakes for Nova, and ingratiating was the well-backed favourite. In the straight below the 400, Rhapsody Rose. challenged struggling by Athelric on the outside. RNT coming between the pair, running on determinedly. Then came Nordley on. Ingratiating, making some ground, but still needs to get a move on. Rhapsody Rose, RNT, and Athelric. Now Athelric on the outside and RNT. They're in a duel. Athelric and RNT. RNT is lifting. Athelric going with him, They hit the line. Athelric beat RNT. Ingratiating, third, fourth Rhapsody Rose. Then came Hamlet von Stitzel. Released the beans Stella Magic, Rhapsody Rose, Nord Leon, Put On The Red Light, Devastating, Joyous Legend, and Zava Boom, not on his best behaviour, a long last. I had one particularly annoying text to say I've got the pronunciation wrong. Apparently it's Ethelric. Is that right? I don't know. No. Well, I, I, don't, well, I don't know either, <coughs> so I'll stay with Athelric. But anyway, regardless of how you pronounce it, it got the money. And I suppose a little surprise, most uh, form pundits were considering... In grey shouting was the better chance. Maybe uh, Rick's performances were enhanced by wet tracks, but he did the job in good Not style. So,
1: yeah. In grey shouting might be going into the sort of the paladas basket a little bit. He's had a few chances this, uh, oh, this so. time around. and He never looked likely, really. He got a long way back and, and cut the corner and made ground along the inside. But the, 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 it was a race in two from a long way out and he ended up plugging into third, so... They're, they're saying he may need 1400 now. I'm, I'm not sure. Oh.
0: <clears throat> no, but uh, that was the, the Queensland Day
1: stakes. The Dolphin, they'll decide on Monday whether to pay off a Kemantari in the uh, Break. I, I suspect they will, but they'll meet tomorrow just to,
0: to firm that up. Let's have a listen to Vinco taking the listed Spear Chief in the straight, bottoms the leader. Vinko diving to the rail, our birdsong trying hard, Charmy Baby joining in Irish songs has dropped off, never no more with work to do, Lightning Jack and Le Gaiselais are still running on, Vinko shot the gap on the inside and raced to the lead Charmy Baby is trying to rally, they're battling out for third and fourth, but Vinko's in front, Charmy Baby can't bridge the margin, and Vinko's got the money Vinko first, lead on Charmy Baby never no more third, and Kubrick fourth, then Lightning Jack, Le Gaiselais. our birdsong, Turbillish well back in the field was Profit and out towards the tail was uh, a long way back Irish songs in last position with bottom pulling up quickly. Yes and Vinko now possibly to head to the eyeliner in a fortnight's time at Ipswich. Let's go to the Lightning. This was the the ideal target for Boob Nova. Punters thought so as well. She was always a very strong favourite. By the 400-metre pole, Archer's Paradox leads the way. over on the outside now getting busy. Nidorp being pushed along to come after the leading pair. Wider was contemptuous, trying to work into it. Garibaldi running on fairly well. Archer's Paradox and over in a duel. Garibaldi is running on powerfully. over reached the lead at the 100 metres. Garibaldi trying to cut down the margin, but she's going great guns, over and beats home Garibaldi. Usmanov third, contemptuous fourth. Then Archer's Paradox, followed by Dr. Zeus Stoical, Go, goal, Kosciuszko and Needorb dropped off and ran last. Yeah, great group of owners. Well, there was one missing there yesterday, my old schoolmate, Jeff Sinclair. If he'd been there, he would have been celebrating high because this mare is really going well this campaign. And quite interesting, isn't it? Three runs, all legal farm, all over 1,000 metres, win, win, win.
1: Yeah, and it's funny about you talk about doing times and stuff. So it was rated soft six when she won the other day, race one. She runs 57 mm. 1 on the good four yesterday, <coughs> the time significantly slower. So. It's hard to work out those track ratings at times.
0: And, and she's, well, almost because of you know, her, her, her recent form, she's considered this 1,000-metre horse, but she can get further, so it will be interesting to see where Chris Bunce goes, maybe the Healy as well.
1: I would think that's a logical race to head to next. Before this preparation, her only wins were, were over 1,200 metres. Mm.
0: Let's go to the last of our features, and this was the listed Phoenix. We've touched on this with James McDonald. We'll have a listen to the replay. They've backed off the tempo as they round the turn of the Phoenix. 4.50 left to Rana. Heroic Sun grabbed on the outside by Liberty Steps, then Sizzling Gowler. Mount Brilliant trying to work into the picture. Here's Political Debate being called upon. He's launching at the right time as Liberty Steps took a clear lead. Sharp and Smart is following up behind Political Debate, and he'll run on well. Political Debate reached the lead. Sharp and Smart coming after him. Gably no gas in the tank with a favour. He's still in front. Political Debate. Sharp and Smart. Slowly but surely bridging the gap. Political Debate. Sharp and Smart. I'll go sharp. Up and Smarter knows political debate in a rip up. Third, not sure. Chase and Arnie there. Wider was Ringmaster. Not far away was Mashani Spartan. Then West of Africa, Liberty Steps, Sandpaper. Mount Brilliant, Heroic Sun, Four Mile Lane, and Sizzling Gal last over the line. Well, political debates connections won't be playing that replay uh, too <laughs> too many times. <laughs> Neither will you. I thought I, I thought the outside may have just gone there. I might have got a one strut after the line, but it was was very close. Mm.
1: Three dollars fifty favourite now. Political debate for the Atkins. Sharp and Smart six dollars in between the pair. She's a belter. Who do you think will start favourite in that race?
0: Look, uh, I'm not I'm not certain. I'm not certain of the size of the field, mm. but I would say out of yesterday that I find the gap between political debate and sharp and smart a bit too wide. has to be, yeah. Uh, and I also say, I know you thought that was a strong version of the Phoenix. I'm wondering, is the size produce form line stronger than the political debate and sharp and smart? So I think, to not answer your question, I think there's a bit to work out with the market there. I
1: I think the size has to be a stronger race. So I I would expect that uh, she's a Belta start favourite and particularly the, the way she won last week, had to do it a bit tough, come back and wide. Um, yeah, so I'm just interested to see how that market plays out. But as always, there's that over, immediate overreaction and political bait. There is, up and, so much.
0: and also two other factors. Um, this horse carries a reputation, mm. and whether that's richly deserved, I'm not certain, and, of course, the Waller-McDonald combination. So that can play out. Before we go, the Stradbroke market. Ayrton has emerged as a clear favourite mm. now at $5.00. I wonder when this all happened. Um, I haven't been charting the, the, the market daily, so, you know, I think... Like, I think he originally went in at $15, and then it's just been chipping away the whole time. Mm, $5, Ayrton. Apache Chase, 11 11 at $8. Alligator Blood at 9 Baller now in the market there, 15 along with the stablemate Isotope and Private Eye also at $15. If Baller goes in, that would make Star Tonte's only a first emergency. Had her, she's
1: 18th at the moment, so... Um, he, that is important news that's come through this morning with with Tony Gollum.
0: The other fix to mark it up, of course, is the Q22 with wet or at 280, maximal at five, and hopeful at six double figures after that. Nathan, thanks for your time this morning. Got there eventually. I wasn't yeah. sure if I would get through.
2: You we, we did. You got through it. like
0: a like a real trooper. And folks, thanks for your company this morning. Always appreciate it here on Past the Post. Big week coming up, of course. The Stradbroke Barrier draw on Tuesday. Lots of social functions as we lead into the culmination of Stradbroke season with the Tab Stradbroke next Saturday. I'll join you on Press Room tomorrow morning. Look forward to your company then. Have a good day. Bye-bye.